0: My name is Rick Renner, and today I'm giving you a tour of the shelves in our TV studio right behind where I film every program, and today I want to show you this fragment of granite. You say, what in the world is that fragment of granite? This fragment of granite is very important. You can see that it's broken from something. One side is polished, the other side is chipped. You know where this is from? This is from the old base that held up the massive statue of Felix Dzerzhensky, who was the leader of the KGB during the days of Stalin, when persecution was fierce in the Soviet Union. And that statue stood in front of the KGB for decades. And when people saw it, they thought of this monster of a man who ruled all of Russia and terrorized people, including many believers. Today, he's laying on his face in a park, and the base that once held him up is gone. But the day they pulled him down, I was there. It was a historical day, standing right in front of the KGB. I watched him pull down Felix Dzerzhinsky, and as they began to break up the big base made of granite, I ran and said to the workers, can I please have a piece of that? And I remember them saying, you're the only one that has asked that question. Why would you want a piece of Felix Derzinski's statue? I wanted it because it is such a fulfillment of Scripture. The Bible tells us in Psalm 2 verse 4 that God sits in the heaven and laughs at those who think they are in charge. And in fact, it says at the end of the day, God is the one who's going to have the last laugh today. Felix Dierczynski is laying on his face. Jesus is Lord. He is still in control. And every time I look at this fragment of granite, I think about the fact that Jesus really is Lord over all. And that's why
1: I have this piece of granite on my shelf. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick.
0: Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Renner, and I'm here again with Mr. Joel.
2: Renner. Joel, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's been so good. We've had a lot of fun these days.
0: We have had a good time, and I'm thinking about your brother, Paul. He's leading the church in Moscow. I'm so proud of him. And your brother, Philip, who's preaching all over the world in his traveling music preaching ministry. And here you are, the CEO of Rick Renner Ministries. Joel, you
2: grew up in the former Soviet Union. I certainly did. And God prepared you for what you're doing. And we're doing a great job. You know, people need to hear about Christ all over the world. And I think it's amazing that right here from right outside Moscow, Russia, we can spread the gospel to all the earth. That is amazing to me. You know, we moved here 30
0: years ago because the gospel was needed here and it's still needed here. But how amazing how history changes that now from here we have a base. And from here we're teaching the Bible by media all over the planet. Who would have
2: ever imagined it? It's amazing. And my friends, you're a part of that. If you're our partner, you are really a part of that. You're helping us take the gospel, needed Bible teaching to people all over the earth. People don't have the privilege like you do to get Bible teaching so excessively. So this teaching of the Bible we provide is so necessary to many souls. And
0: I'm willing to do the teaching. Denise is willing to do the preaching. But partners really put financial fuel in the tank so we can do this job. And partners, we want to say thank you to you. And if you're not a partner, please become a partner, or at least pray about it. And you can become a partner by going online or by giving us a call. It's so easy today to change somebody else's life. You don't even have to move from where you are. You can just go online or give a call. And suddenly you can do something to change another person's life. And the moment you become a partner, we're going to send you my book called Life in the Combat Zone and Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness. And right now, we're also offering you, today is the last day that we're offering to Joel, a brand new series called More Questions and Answers with Rick Renner and Joel Renner. And it comes with a study guide. Order yours today by going online or by giving us a call. And we're also offering you our new autobiography called Unlikely, Our Faith-Filled Journey to the Ends of the Earth. The back of the book says, if you're ready to read a true life story that will stir your faith to launch out and experience your own unlikely adventure, this is the book for you to read, and it has 90 pages of photos. So they are amazing. We have lived history. So we've captured it. We've documented it. And we want to show it to you as you read, unlikely. And please remember that if you need prayer, we really want to pray for you. But to pray for you real specifically, we need to know how to pray. So when you call us or when you send us your email and tell us how to pray, it just helps us do a better job of praying for you. We're praying for you anyway. But when you tell us how to pray, we can pray more effectively. So let us know how to pray for you.
2: But Joel, today we're going to answer random questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Jesus spoke frequently about hell and warned people about it. My question is, why did Jesus speak so much about hell And why do we hear so little about it now? Well, first of all, we're going to use our Bible because we always use the Bible in this program. But Jesus
0: did speak frequently about hell. He spoke more about hell than he spoke about heaven. In fact, hell was the number one subject that Jesus spoke about. Isn't that amazing? Wow. And I write about this in my book called A Life Ablaze. You should read that book if you want to really get a revelation about hell. But Jesus taught hell was a real place. He said it was a place of outer darkness, a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, a place of endless turmoil, a place where people are burned forever with fire and brimstone. In fact, I want to give you some references. In Mark 9, Jesus said it was a place where the worm never dies. Sounds horrible. Isn't that horrible? In nine forty four, he said it was a place where the fire is never quenched. The fire is never quenched in hell. In Luke 16, 25, listen to this. It teaches clearly it's a place of regretful memories. People in hell remember everything they did. They remember every opportunity they passed to repent and to be saved. And they are in hell forever and there's not a thing that they can do about it. For all of eternity, they're going to be filled with regret that they didn't make a better choice. No wonder Jesus taught so much about hell. In Luke 16, 23... Jesus said it was a place from which those who die in sin can never depart once they have gone there, which means this is the point of no return. Once you go to hell, there is no escape from hell. In Revelation 9, verse 2, we're told that hell is a great furnace. That's amazing, Joel. We're told in Revelation 14, verse 11, it is a place where the inhabitants in hell can never find rest for their souls. They're restless, they're in turmoil for all of eternity. And we're told in Psalm 116, 3, in Proverbs 27, verse 20, this is so graphic. Hell is a place of eternal pain and destruction and that it consumes lost souls like a beast whose hunger is never satisfied. But you ask the question, why today people do not talk about hell? And I think the reason is, number one, people don't really believe in hell. They theologically believe in it. They mentally believe in it. But nobody wants to believe anybody goes to hell. That's why when a sinner dies, people say, well, maybe he repented. Maybe nobody knows. Maybe something secret. It's like we just can't bear the thought that anybody would really go to a place called hell. But one of the best things that could happen to me and to you and to all of us is to have a revelation of hell. When you really have a revelation of hell, you're gonna think about your neighbor, your neighbor that you pass every day and you've never said one word to them about Jesus. You're gonna think about the people that you pass in the grocery store, the people that you see at the mall. People around you are going to hell. In fact, the Bible says that the road to hell is very broad. People are streaming into hell every minute of the day And it's so horrible that we as believers would never think about that. You know, when I was trained in the ministry, I was trained by a wonderful man when Denise and I first got married who taught me to think about hell. And I think about it all the time. When I go to the mall or I go to a restaurant, I look around and I regularly think, I'm surrounded by eternal creatures. All of these people are going to go somewhere. We have to be eternity-minded. We really do. And today, in the pulpit, there's very little preaching about hell because pastors don't want to make people uncomfortable. But you know what? This is something we need to be uncomfortable about. Jesus spoke about hell more than any other subject. The next subject was money. But Jesus really talked about hell because he didn't want people to go there, and he died so that he could do his part to stop people from going to hell. Hell is a real place. It is not imaginary. It is a real place, and people really do go there. One thing that helped me, Joel, was the very first job I ever had was in a cemetery. I mowed the grass in the cemetery, and every day when I would go to the cemetery after school and I would mow the grass over those graves, I would think, where are these people? Where are these people? Their bones are here, but where are they? People go somewhere when they die.
2: And we need to remember that. Okay? Why did Jesus give the demons leave to enter the swine in Mark chapter 5? Well, that's a very interesting question. So let's go there. If you've got your Bibles,
0: open your Bibles in Mark chapter 5. And remember that I have a series, which you can get online, which is called What the New Testament Teaches About Demons. That's a series that you should listen to. And it comes with a study guide. But in Mark chapter 5, verse 8, Jesus is confronted With a man that is demonized. And actually, in Mark chapter 5, verse 2, it says he had an unclean spirit, and the Greek says he was in the grip of an unclean spirit. The word unclean carries the idea of something that's impure or something that is lewd, and it really gives the insinuation that this demon found entrance into this man's life through something unclean. That's why we have to be so careful what we think about. Our mind is a door opener. And somehow this man had opened a door and uncleanness came in to him until finally he was infested with it. And when Jesus confronted this man, we read about it in Mark chapter 5, verse 8, where the Bible says, Jesus said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And when you read this in the Greek, it says it a little different. It says, For Jesus kept on saying, and kept on saying, and kept on saying, and kept on saying. That's unusual because usually Jesus casts demons out with a word. But this demon was not coming out. But rather than get up and walk away, Jesus just kept on saying. Jesus stayed right there. He was determined. He wasn't going to leave till this man was set free. And my friends, that shows the determination of Jesus to work in your life or the life of anybody you know and love. He'll stick right with them until they're free. And Jesus kept saying and kept saying and kept saying and kept saying. And kept saying I said, I said come out. I said come out. I said come out. And the Greek literally means make an accent. He was evicting this demon. And when the demon didn't come out very easily, Jesus then asked in verse 9, What is thy name? Well, some people think on the basis of that, when you deal with demons, you should always ask them, What is your name? That's the only time Jesus ever did that. And the reason he asked is because he was amazed it wasn't coming out very easily. Usually they come out with a word. Demons are easy to deal with. But this one was not coming out. So Jesus said, Who in the world are you anyway? What is your name? And he, that is the demon, answered, saying, My name is legion, for we are many. A legion is about 6,000. We are many. There were about 6,000 demons inside this man. Jesus was just speaking to the demon who was the elected spokesman of the whole group. And the Bible tells us in verse 10, And he, that is the demon, the one that was speaking, besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now that's very interesting. Look at verse 11. "Now there was nigh under the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. Well, what about swine? They were unclean. There shouldn't have even been any swine there. They were unclean. They weren't supposed to be there. This was the most low-level, dirty, unclean, filthy animal. Jews were not even supposed to have swine. Verse 12: "And all the devils. Do you see the transition, Joel? All Up Until now, one demon has been speaking. But Jesus keeps saying, come out, come out, make an exit. I'm telling you, come out, come out, come out. Jesus has put so much pressure on this infestation that is no longer one speaking. Now all the demons, 6,000 voices, begin to cry out simultaneously through this man's voice. All the devils besought him. And the word besought really is the word to pray. I call this the day the devil prayed. Besought him saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. Demons hate dry places. They want to live in something. Demons do not want to roam. They want to indwell something. That's why they said, don't send us out of the country. Don't just send us out to roam. Send us into something. And demons are so level, so filthy dirty, so unclean. They said, hey, let us go into the pigs. And notice what happened in verse 13, forthwith, Jesus gave them leave. Now somebody might say, well, this wasn't very fair to the pigs. Well, the pigs weren't supposed to be there in the first place. The Jewish people couldn't eat the pigs. They were unclean animals. They were forbidden. But Jesus here was going to teach a lesson, and notice the lesson in verse 13. Forthwith, Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits, the lewd, foul, dirty, stinking spirits, went out. And entered into, they want to enter into something. And they entered into these low-level, filthy, unclean swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. The Greek actually says they were choking as they went into the sea. These demons were strangling them on their way into the water. Why is this so important? Because this man had nearly six thousand demons, but he had never committed suicide. In fact, when he saw Jesus, he was able to exercise his will. He was able to run to Jesus. This, Joel, is why I said in an earlier program this week, I've never met anybody totally demon-possessed. I've met people demonized, demon-inflicted, spirit-inflicted. That's what this man was. But this man had control of himself. Pigs don't have a mind. They don't have a will. So, when the demons entered into the man, what did they do? Kill, steal, and destroy. The demons went wild, immediately began to drive them crazy, and they committed suicide. That's what demons want to do. But we have a will, and we can resist. Anyway, that's why Jesus allowed them to go into the pigs. He was teaching what the devil will do if the devil's allowed to have his way. Next question How should I change church membership? Well, that's a very serious question. I'm a pastor. And there is a way to change membership, and there's a way not to change membership. If I am your pastor, and you attend my church, and I have spiritual responsibility for you, and you just disappear, that's not right. That's not right. If you feel that you're to go to another church, at least come and tell me about it. I mean, as a pastor, I would not stop somebody from going to another church. Unless they were going to go to a really bad church, then I would warn them, But you are the Lord's sheep, but if he's called you to be under my care, then I'm responsible for you. And if you're going to change church membership, then you need to be thoughtful enough to inform the pastor that you're going to be doing that so he doesn't just wonder, where are you? That's not right. That's not right. And every pastor should have a system of accountability where he knows that people are not there. This is a very big question. But just do things politely. Do things right. Next question. Does God always hate divorce? Yes, He does. And I write about it in my book called Last Days Survival Guide. That doesn't mean that divorce is always avoidable, but yes, God hates divorce. But we're told in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 3, This know also that in the last days perilous times will come. Then in verse 3 it says, People will be without affection. It's a Greek word which describes the disintegration of the traditional family, a breakdown of marriage relationships, in the end of the age, there's going to be a breakdown of the traditional family in an epidemic way. So we have to be able to deal with this. Divorce sometimes is not avoidable. It always has tragic consequences. Typically, divorce is passed from one generation to the next generation. You know, Joel, I'm from a family that's filled with divorce. I had one grandfather that was married five times. I had a grandmother that was married four times. My other grandparents were also married. I had so many grandparents when I was growing up. At one time, I had seven grandparents. Well, that's not physically possible, except that some of them were step-grandparents. We never knew who was who. I remember on holidays, it felt like geriatric ministry because we just went to see one old person and another old person and another old person. This was the result of all these various marriages. And those divorces were perpetuated in subsequent generations. But my mother and her sister drew the line. They said, no more. We're stopping it. And they stopped it. There hasn't been any more. That's the power we have with the blood of Jesus, the power of our will, the Word of God. We can
2: stop those things from being perpetuated. But that's a very good question. Next question. Is it right or wrong for a believer to drink alcoholic beverages? Some seem to believe it's okay as long as you don't get drunk, and others seem to believe it is a sin. Can you answer for this for me, please? Well, I have a series called Fleeing Temptation,
0: and there are all kinds of temptations that we need to flee, and one of them is addictive temptations. You know, I have a friend that runs a rehabilitation ministry, and he was sharing with me the amazing statistics about addictions in the world today. People have literally gone off the charts with their addictions. And I personally believe that we need to stay away from anything that is addictive or anything that could become a dependency in our life. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14, the Bible says, Wherefore, dearly beloved, flee idolatry. Idolatry was a bad place to be. Fornication took place there. Drunkenness took place there. The priests would mix drugs into the alcohol. People would come there to get a little relief. But then when they would go home, it would wear off. So what would they do? They kept coming back again and again and again and again until they developed a dependency. Well, in our world today, this could be alcohol. This could be certain kinds of medication. And certainly I'm not giving medical advice, but I am giving you spiritual advice. We need to be very careful that we don't develop dependencies in our life. And we need to think about others. We need to think about others. Maybe you feel like you have a liberty to drink and somebody else sees you doing that, and they become an alcoholic. I think we need to always be thinking about others. And if we're just thinking about ourselves and our rights, that already tells you there's something wrong. There's something wrong. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 32, the apostle Paul says, give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. We need to be thinking about not offending or being a stumbling block to somebody else. And then he says in verse 33, even as I please all men and all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. We need to be thinking about what our liberties and how our actions affect others. And I think if you're thinking about other people who are weak and who could be affected, it probably will answer your question for you. But We're out of time, but that was a good question. But we'll be back in just a moment and we are going to pray for you.
1: We all have questions that we'd like to have answers for, but they often go unanswered. Do you have questions about the Bible that you wish someone would answer for you? In this five-part series, Questions and Answers with Rick Renner, Rick addresses many difficult and challenging questions that have been sent to him over the years. This series doesn't dodge a single issue, but dives headlong into every question asked. Rick says, There are a lot of things I don't know, but to the best of my ability, I have tackled some challenging questions in this series. You'll be amazed at the discoveries you're about to make with Rick in this exciting series. If your heart yearns to find answers to some of your more difficult Bible questions, then this is the series for you. Don't delay ordering your copy today because you'll discover treasures in this series that you've been seeking for a long time. And this week, take advantage of our two week cyber sale. We're offering a 25% discount on all our resources. That's right, 25% off everything at our Renner.org store. Go to Renner.org right now and save on all your favorite teachings by Rick and Denise. Now is the time to order the products you've been waiting for. Go to renner.org today and save big on books, CDs, study guides, and more. Don't miss out on this special offer. And order the Teaching Series Questions and Answers with Rick Renner today. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now.
0: This is Rick Renner, and I'm here on the side of our new studio with Mr. Joel Renner. It is so good to be with you. Joel, it was exciting what happened here yesterday. It really is. They poured so much concrete. They poured this entire slab yesterday from morning to evening, and on this slab, Joel, we're going to begin constructing our new studio. In fact, the walls are going to go up in just a few weeks, and we're able to do it because of our giving team that's giving of their finances to help us do that. And right from this place, we're gonna produce teaching that people can trust and send it all over the world in the English language and the Russian language. And it's just so exciting. And what's totally amazing to me, Joel, is that at the same time that we're doing this here, we are purchasing a new building in Tulsa. And told us this morning, I was reading in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 11, where God promised, I'm going to give you houses that you didn't build that will be fully supplied when you get them. And the new building that we're getting in Tulsa, it is fully furnished. It's amazing. It is everything we would ever need. And we didn't have to lift a finger. We just have to walk in and take possession of it. And believe. And believe. We need to pay for it. And that's why we want to say thank you to you, Giving Team, because you really are making a difference. And here in Moscow and in Tulsa and around the world, our ministry is literally bursting at the seams. People reaching out to us, calling us, writing to us, asking us for materials. If you saw our office in Tulsa, you would be amazed because materials are lining the hallways, we're using metal containers on the back of the property because we don't have room for more materials in the building. We're literally bursting at the seams because God is giving increase. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, one plants, another waters, but God is the one who gives the increase. And I wanna say thank you for your planting, thank you for your giving, and thank you to God because God is ultimately the one who gives the increase. That if you're not already a part of our giving team would you please pray about becoming part of the giving team to help us finish constructing this studio and purchasing the building in tulsa we'll be so thankful and together as partners we're going to reach people with teaching they can trust it's amazing that right from where each of us are we can make a difference in someone else's life so thank you in advance for being a part of this wonderful ministry Expansion project. Well, Mr. Runner, we've had a good time this week. We really have. We've answered a lot of good questions. Five days of questions and answers, questions which were sent to us by our TV viewers and our partners. And what a pleasure that we could answer their questions. And yesterday we got a lot of phone calls in response to some of our answers. Thank you so much for letting us know that you're tuning in and you're listening. And if this series has been a blessing to you, then order it. It's called More Questions and Answers with Rick Renner and of course Joel Renner because Joel is here with me. You can get it in the video or the audio and it comes with a study guide. We put all the material together so you can really get the teaching of the Bible down deep inside you. I hope you're getting the point that we believe in the Bible in our ministry. And we're believing for a revival of the Bible. If we stay rooted in the Bible, we'll do all right. If we veer from the Bible, we're going to be in trouble. But hey, stick with your Bible. And right now, we're also offering you the autobiography, which is called Unlikely, Our Faithful Journey to the Ends of the Earth. And again, I remind you that when you become a partner with our ministry, we're going to send you my book called Life in the Combat Zone, and Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness. We send these to anyone who becomes a part of our partner family. But Joel, next week we have some really special programs planned. My friends, don't miss next week. It's going to be a blast. But hey, be sure to let us know how to pray for you, and we're going to pray for you right now. Father, we thank in the name of Jesus that Joel and I could be together with our friends every day this week. Thank you for the relationship that you've given us in the Spirit. At Holy Spirit, we ask you to move mightily in their lives and give them a great weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you Monday, but remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is,
1: there is power. Thank you for joining Rick Renner today. For more information about Rick Renner Ministries and product resources, Visit renner.org and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.